0: Hallelujah! We've been ministering on the book of Ephesians, and uh, y'all get anything out of this at all? On the book of Ephesians, that's one of my favorite books, and uh, I like it because it's a in that in the six chapters that are there, Paul really gets into some things, and it's a condensed book. I mean, it's really like uh, only 150 or 160 scriptures total in the whole book and six chapters, and, uh, but it's packed with revelation knowledge of who Jesus is. We got into the fact of uh, the wealth of the believer and uh, what we have in Christ, what he's done for us. Uh, I want to tell you something. We're the richest people in the world. Because we've got the wealthiest treasure that there is, and that's eternal life. And that's the blessings of God abounding in our hearts and lives. And And Ephesians chapter 1 through 3 actually gives us a revelation of our wealth. And I say wealth, I'm not just talking about material wealth. Uh, a lot of times people get to preaching about wealth and they think that that's all there is. It's just physical wealth and material wealth. And yes, that's part of it. God does want to bless us. I believe God wants to bless us so that we can be a testimony to the world that, hey, our Father is a good Father. And He's not going to let us down and He's not going to keep us in poverty. Amen? But we're rich in Him. And the blessings of God abound in our lives. And But what Paul said, though, he said, I've learned to be content in whatever state I've been. In other words, I've learned to abound. I've learned to have plenty. I've learned to be in want. But yet, he said God was his sufficiency. And so that's the key, is learning who he is and the wealth spiritually that we have. I want to tell you something. You can have all the money in the world and not have Jesus, and you don't have nothing. The peace of God can't be bought with money. And the joy of the Lord cannot be purchased with your wealth. Physical wealth. It comes because Jesus paid the price and gave His all in order that we could have these things in our life. And yes, He will supply all of our need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I've seen that happen so often. And every day it's a it's a testimony. And you too, as individuals, you've seen God bless you. Uh, materially as you needed things from the Lord, and God will do it for you. And, you know, I've always asked this. You know, people teach that God will give you the desires of your heart, you know. And some people's desires, well, their desires is to be rich and to be the richest uh, preacher in the world or the richest Christian in the world. Well, you know, that's, that's the wrong motive. Amen. Our desire should be to please God. Our desire should be to promote the kingdom of God. And as we're doing that, and we're promoting the kingdom, and we're letting Him live in our lives and become real in our lives, we're seeing the blessings of God abound everywhere in our lives. Amen? So, Ephesians 1-3 talks about the revelation of our wealth. And the wealth of the believer, and I say wealth, the spiritual wealth should be manifested in our walk with the Lord. And the revelation of the divine truth becomes fruitful only as it's transmitted in our life. You know, you you can memorize scripture after scripture after scripture, but if that word hasn't sunk into your heart by divine revelation, you don't have anything. You've got to know that you know that you know. So revelation must eventuate into realization and illumination into application. So when we see something in the Word, God doesn't just show it to tickle your flesh. And God doesn't just reveal His Word to you just to make you feel good all over, better than any place else. But He gives you the illumination, that revelation, so that we can apply it to our lives. And it's applied, and the application of the Word is in our lives. (laughs) One of the brightest... And biggest converts of a gospel mission had become a backslider. I don't know. How many's ever known somebody that got saved and all of a sudden they just backslid? I, I have never quite understood why people want to backslide. But there's some people that just are determined to backslide. You know? But uh, in an interview with the minister he thought he would tell his he would thought he' gladden the minister's heart by telling him that uh he believed everything in the Bible from Genesis to revelation <laughs> I run into people like that, oh preacher, I believe every word of that Bible, but yet they're still in bondage to drugs, alcohol, sin, things in their lives that's that's uh keeping them down, you know but oh I, I believe it, but listen. This is what the preacher said. He said, if you believe it, then why don't you live it? <laughs> I mean it's just as simple as that. If you believe it, we can live it. Amen? So tonight we're going to get into some things about the walk of the believer. See, the more um the more that we know the truth and believe it. I, I did some prison ministry in Texas. Uh, a few years ago, one, printer, one prisoner said to me very boastfully, I mean, you know, he came up to me and said, um, I, w- I want you to know that I didn't come in here as these other fellows did. I came in here as a Christian. <laughs> now, now listen, I believe Christians can backslide and Christians can get into trouble. You know what I'm saying? But you know, don't boast and say, you know, I didn't come in here like everybody else did. I came in here as a Christian. Because if you're a Christian... And you're a believer, we're going to know the truth. We're going to believe the truth. And not only that, we're going to take the responsibility and live the truth. Amen? And live what God says. Head knowledge has to become a heart experience. Tell you, you know, I've seen people that can memorize the Bible and quote Scripture after Scripture, but it's not heart knowledge. It's only head knowledge um you, you can you can know things but yet not know anything uh you've got to see it you've got to see it like God is describing it to you by the spirit and you've got to let your heart see that and it's got to be a it's got to be something in the heart and a revelation in the heart, and it becomes a heart experience praise god i my wife always accuses me she said you're the happiest man that I know. And I said, well, I looked at my name one time, and it said I was happy. <laughs> but that's not why I'm happy, because my name's Clarence. But I'm happy because I know the one that brings true joy and the true peace. And I, I've seen in hard times God's never failed to show up and reveal and manifest himself. See, sometimes when well, I don't feel God, you know, I don't feel anything. Yeah, but just look around you. God's moving. God's doing some things. And God's working on your behalf. So the more we know the truth and believe it, the greater our responsibility is to live it. Amen? Now, Ephesians 1-3 tells us how God sees us in Christ. We're in Christ. We're in Him in heavenly places. He's raised us up together. According to Ephesians, the second chapter, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, where's Jesus seated? The Bible says in that same chapter, in in the first chapter, Paul's praying for the church at Ephesus. He said, I'm praying that you might see and know. In other words, you will know the power of God. And you would know that Jesus Christ, that he is raised far above all principality and power and might and dominion, is named in this world and in the world to come. And And he's raised him up and made him sit in that place in the throne of God. And Ephesians 2, 6 says, And he hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So tonight, whether we feel any Holy Ghost witness bumps, (laughs) and I sure like to feel them every once in a while. Amen. But whether you feel it, it doesn't matter. The fact is, we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's the truth. The truth is, sin no longer has bondage over us because we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And that sin nature has been taken care of if we receive what Jesus did for us. So, tells Ephesians 1-3 tells us how God sees us. The, the next question uh three chapters, Ephesians four through six, and this is what we're going to be getting into, tells us how men should see Christ in us on this earth. People should see you and know that you're a believer. There's something different about you. Amen. I I mean it, it should be evident. It should be evident by our countenance. It should be evident by our speech. It should be evident by our actions. People are going to see Christ in us and everything that we do, and as we walk in this earth, that's what the Lord's saying. You have got to first of all realize where you are in Him before you can walk. How many knows that some people they want to they want to walk and run before they sit? We've got to sit. Uh, listen, when I was a young preacher, first got called to preach, I, I was chomping at the bits. I want to go preach. I want to go preach. I want to go preach. I was chomping at the bits. I was one of the first ones. If we would had a, if it was in a horse race, I'd be at the gate, and, you know, I'd be kicking that gate, ready to go, you know. God gave me a revelation one day. And I had preached some meetings. I started preaching when I was 17. And we'd, we'd had some great meetings. I'd been up in Washington State preaching for six weeks. God did some marvelous things up there. And, Coming back from Fort we drove through Fort Worth, saw our parents, and was driving back to Houston. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to go get a job at Ford Marketing Corporation on Clinton Drive in Houston. I said, get out of here, devil. You know, I'm God's man of faith and power. I just come from great revivals. And I knew it was the Lord speaking. And he didn't have to speak to me. But just once, because I had to repent over my attitude. Because, see, I, I, listen, I'm I'm ready to roll. I'm ready to go. And I wanted to go. And the Lord said, no, it's not time. So I got there. I thought it was going to be temporary for two weeks. <laughs> I was excited when they said, well, we only got a position for two weeks during inventory. And I said, uh, they said, we can't promise that. I said, praise God, that's good enough for me. At least I obeyed the Lord. Hallelujah. It ended up being four years. But during that four years, God put some stuff in me. And it was also during that four years that I uh, I assisted Pastor John Osteen. And uh, I learned a whole lot from him. But one night I was praying. I said, God, how long? How long before I can go out and preach and go... to to reach the multitudes. And, you you know, I'd seen Brother Osteen go overseas and thousands and thousands of people in his meetings. And I said, Lord, I just want to go. and See, you got to get your motivation right too. And I was praying one night, and the Lord said, you're like the messenger that ran. And when he got there, he didn't have nothing to say. And to put it in a vernacular that I can understand, God said, you want to go set the woods on fire and you ain't got no matches to light. <laughs> Amen. Now, you know, that's a, that's kind of a low blow. But God was saying, when you're ready, I'll let you know. But you see, you got to get some stuff inside you first. And you got to have something to give when you get there. And you got to have something to light the fire with. Amen. But look at the key text in Ephesians 4. Chapter 1, this is the key text for tonight. We're going to talk about the walk of the believer. I therefore, Paul's writing, the prisoner of the Lord. Now, he was actually, this is one of his prison epistles or letters that he wrote. But he didn't also, he doesn't mean just a prisoner in a jail cell. He's a prisoner of the Lord. In other words, God had control of his life. He said, I, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. So here we see the chapter 4 is getting into how we should walk as a believer. We, first of all, we've got to learn how to rest. If you, if you can't rest, you're not going to be able to walk. And, and if you don't walk good, you're not going to be able to stand and do warfare. I remember reading Watchman Nee's book. It's a little book that I got a hold of. He was a Chinese preacher, missionary preacher. Great things happened in his ministry. And he wrote a little book called Sit, Walk, and Stand. And in that little book, it's just a little 30-page book, you know, or something like that. And he, he said, he said you've got to first learn how to rest before you can walk and you got to learn how to to walk before you're able to go and do warfare so we got to sit, walk and then stand against the powers of darkness and he gave a little illustration and he said there was a there was th- three figures walking on a fence post or fence fence and it was uh faith the word no the word Faith and then experiences. The word was in front, faith was in the middle, and experience was behind. And as long as everybody kept their eyes on the one in front of them, they stayed on the fence post. But one day, faith decided to look over his shoulder and see how his experiences were coming up. And what happened? Well, when, how many knows if you're walking on fence post, if you turn over and look over your shoulder, guess what? The two that's back there, the faith and the experiences, are going to topple off the wall. The Word is going to stand. The Word's eternal. The Word's forever. But how many knows that's what happens sometimes We want to see how our experience is coming up. We hear somebody give a a flamboyant testimony of the power of God and what happened, and I get excited when I hear good testimonies. I'm not saying that you shouldn't listen to that, but but I'm saying we get all it. And then all of a sudden we get to look at, well, boy, my life is dull. I, I don't have nothing happening like that in my life. And so we start looking over our shoulder. Our faith starts looking over to see where our experience is. And guess what? We topple off. The Word's still standing. The Word's eternal. And the Word's our guide. And if we'll go by the Word, your feelings will catch up one day. <laughs> Amen? Somebody said, how do I get happy? Stay in the Word. The Word is, is like sweet honey to your stomach. The Word is our strength. It's our life. And we we just need to stay with the word, stay with the word. I mean, listen, I, I don't want anything that's not of the word. If somebody comes up and starts doing this and that, and I had one guy come in, he started prophesying. He could prophesy at the drop of a hat, you know, and it didn't even make sense. I mean, I literally, it didn't even make sense. And I finally told him, I said, you know what? Till you got something to say, I don't want you opening your mouth. <laughs> You know, because you're not saying anything that's helping or edifying you're you're only doing something out of your own heart, trying to produce something in an emotional thing. I said the word will produce the emotion. The word will produce the results. The word will bring life and health. The word will bring the healing. the word will bring the conversions. The Word will bring the revival. It's gonna, it's gotta be based on the Word of God. And then the Holy Ghost is gonna be there to reveal that Word to you. And He's gonna, and when that revelation comes alive, I tell you what, you're liable to have a Pentecostal benefit. Amen? And listen, don't get me wrong. I believe in old time Pentecost, and I still believe in old time shouting. and I still believe in praising God and glorifying God. But what I'm saying is, I don't want to be out. I don't want to go out here on something that is not based on the Word. Let me understand what I'm saying tonight. The Word is our guideline. The Word is what's going to keep us straight. Praise God. Listen. There may be times we come in here, we may not even have no preaching. Somebody said, praise God. <laughs> no, no, don't be that way now. <laughs> but that's happened a lot of times. Why? We've been preaching and teaching, preaching, and all of a sudden it comes alive in the hearts of people. And sometimes the service is just just ignited by the Holy Ghost fire, Holy Ghost power. Things start happening because it's the Word. But you you got to base everything on the Word you got to have something to stand on. The Word's our foundation. we we got to be, able to be able to stand strong. And your feelings are going to come and go. I'm going to tell you something. Your emotions are high and low. How many of you have ever noticed that? Your emotions will get high and low, high and low, high and low. And, but when you're on the Word with the Word, you're stabilized. And you're going to walk stable with the Lord. Amen? But Paul's approach in teaching... The concept of the believer's walk. He said, therefore, the word therefore, he said, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. The word therefore does not indicate the commencement of something altogether new, but rather the consequence what's already preceded. In other words, he's already talked about what Jesus did for us. Therefore, therefore, we're going to walk worthy of the calling with which we're called. See, he's already done what he's going to do. So now we're going to we're going to see the Lord do what He said He was going to do in our lives. So there's no divorcement between Christian Christian doctrine and Christian doing. Listen, the doctrines of the Word of God are to help you live a good godly life. Amen. It teaches us how to talk. It teaches us how to um, forgive. It teaches us how to love. It teaches us how to walk in holiness. I still believe in holiness. God still wants us to be holy. God still wants us to live holy, walk holy, talk holy, be holy in everything that we do. Holiness is still part of God's personality. And that's part of our life is the holiness of the Lord. But we've got to learn how to see it. And then we're going to walk. How are we going to walk? We're going to walk in holiness, and we'll get into that in just a second here. So the word, therefore, doesn't indicate uh, commencement of sentence altogether new, but it's rather the consequence of what's already preceded. Now, the condition of the Christian, our condition, our spiritual condition, it has to harmonize with our position in the Lord. Amen. I, I, there was a guy on the job when I was at Ford Marketing Corporation. I learned a whole lot there. I really did. But he was—he would talk, you know, real spiritual, you know, at the lunch breaks and et cetera. And when we was all talking, he'd be real spiritual and real holy, you know, with his talk. And then, then he started telling dirty jokes. And every other word was a curse word. I wouldn't even dare repeat. I mean, it just, just. I mean, you just felt filthy listening to it spew out of his mouth. And then he'd settle down and he said, "Well, I was teaching my Sunday school class Sunday, and this." I said, "Dear Lord, teaching a Sunday school class, you need to be being taught in your Sunday school class, <laughs> not teaching somebody else. You need to get saved." Amen. But you see, our walk has got to be uh, part of our life. Amen? It's got to harmonize with our position. The condition of the Christian must harmonize with his position. Your spiritual condition must harmonize with who you are in Christ. It must harmonize with it. Amen? Praise the Lord. Now, Paul's appeal was this: He said, "I beseech you." The intensity of the desire and the deep sense of responsibility that Paul expresses here—he's already given the believers a marvelous revelation of their heavenly calling—but now, with equal clarity, he wants to show their responsibility for corresponding conduct. He wants us to conduct ourselves according to the Word of God. And we see in Ephesians here how Paul's appeals always made are made on the grounds of one's condition corresponding with one's position so we we've got to see that we've got to you are therefore be you in other words <clears throat> that you would walk worthy uh, that you would walk worthy of the calling where you're called now our calling as i said is not first preacher apostle prophet evangelist that that and Sunday school teacher, whatever—that's that's not the calling. He's talking. He said, "You've got to walk worthy of the calling. The calling of being a child of God. We we've got to walk worthy of being who God's called us to be, who God's created us to be, and who God's made possible through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord." So, Paul said, "You therefore be be you and that you walk worthy of this calling." Now, many believers try to be, that we were talking about that a while ago, they try to be before they know what they're supposed to be. <laughs> they try to be holy before they understand holiness. They try to be Christ-like before they know what it is to be like Christ. You know, we gotta learn these things, and we see it in the Word of God. God's, this, this book is the instruction guide. It's the manual. I mean know how many ever put together something and uh you thought you could just do it by yourself? And then all you have all these parts left over. You have, anybody ever have that ever had that happen? you have all these parts left over? And you say, Well, now I wonder where they go. Well, it's working. Yeah, but somewhere down the road something's gonna be loose and something's gonna fall apart because we didn't get it all in the right order. So, uh you, you know, we we've got to do do it God's way. Amen? Do it God's way if we're going to see what God has for us. But he said, therefore, walk. Eight times Paul uses the word walk. To walk includes motion. We're we're going somewhere. And there's many words that indicate motion like leaping, running, floating, drifting, creeping. But you cannot substitute one of them for the word walk. Walk implies purpose. See, when you're walking so listen, If a per- have you ever seen anybody walking somewhere and they know where they're going, they've got a destination they're going to, and they're walking, and nothing stops them? I mean, they just go straight on to where they're headed for. They're walking and uh, uh, because they know what's happening. But people that don't have any purpose, they can get sidetracked. They can veer off on another street or veer off down this pathway here, and before long, they're not where they're supposed to be. But when you're walking and therefore walk worthy of the vocation where we're called, that means that we, we have to, uh, you know, we got a purpose. We got a goal. Amen. We're going to progress steadfastly, step by step. We're going to grow. Listen, we should be more spiritual today than we were 10 years ago. Hallelujah. We should be holier. When I say holier, we're holy because He's holy. But I'm talking about in our actions than we were five years ago, or ten years ago, whatever. We're growing in the Lord. And this is what God wants us to do is, is learn who we are and walk. And so it's, walking stands for, it stands for steady, sustained motion. We're walking. I'm walking with the Lord. I'm walking in the things of God. I'm I'm going to I'm going to grow in the things of God. It's exciting to see people grow. I had, we we had people get saved that had never been saved in their life. Then we had some that thought they were saved and never were saved and we we saw them come in. We saw others that were saved and they backslid and then God brought them back. But the thing is, once they get there, they're, they're, they're looking at the fact that they, they're getting on that, getting on the track to, to meet that goal that God has for them. That goal is to be Christ-like. God's called us to be like Jesus. To walk like Jesus. Talk like Jesus. But look at what he says now in, uh, Ephesians 1 and 4. As, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now this is in the first chapter of Ephesians. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, and then his goal is in ephesians five twenty seven that he might present the body or the bride to himself. A glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. See, God's purpose is to get us cleaned up. I've seen people get saved, and I mean, you'd think is there any hope for them whatsoever? <laughs> I mean, they haven't, they haven't, they haven't even. Some of them hadn't ever been in church in their life, and and you and you you wonder where they're coming from. I had a man come in my church, and uh, he visited the first time. His his wife was involved in the uh, what they call the women's aglow back then fellowship, <clears throat> and but so she was spirit filled and she was going on for the Lord. And He came with her one one midweek service. He was sitting back there, so after the service I went back there and I introduced myself and talked to him and and uh and I said now look if you need need us for anything, whatever you need, please call us. He looked at me and said, I want the Holy Ghost. I said, Okay. I said, Well, we'll we'll just pray that God give it to you. He said, I want it right now. I said, Okay. So we, we people already left, a lot of people. So I got some of my men, and we, we took them over to a room. And I said, now, look, we're going to uh, lay hands upon you. And the Bible says, because he was saved, he was born again. We, we had affirmed that first. And I said, now then we're going to pray for you that you receive the Holy Ghost. And I said, now what's going to happen is you're going to start speaking in tongues. And I said, don't worry about it. Don't worry what it sounds like. You just let it flow. And so we get ready to lay hands on him, and he just starts speaking in tongues. He said, you mean like that? Well, see, he had already been pumped and primed and ready. He had already received the Holy Ghost before he ever got there, and he didn't realize it. (laughs) But it was there. It was just flowing out of him. This man became one of the top men in our church as far as serving God. I mean, he wasn't afraid to get in there and clean bathrooms or do whatever he needed to do, you know. He was just there. And somebody come out one day, they said, Brother Clarence, you, you know, Brother so-and-so's in there. He, he's in there just scrubbing those toilets. And I said, yeah? He said, Brother Clarence, he doesn't need to be doing that. He was the vice president of an architectural firm. Had five offices across the United States. He made six plus figures, you know, and bonuses. On top of that, you know, and here he was. He would just—he didn't—he didn't—he didn't think of himself as somebody special. He just went after it. Praise God. And God used him. God used him in a great way. He stayed in touch with us through the years. He got transferred back. He came from Boston. He got transferred back over to Virginia somewhere, and and then he looked us up a few years later and said, just wanted to let you know we hadn't forgotten you. And, uh, and he, he said, we want to see you again. And, and he was in Tucson, Arizona now. He's retired. And uh, I said, well, praise God. I said, but you know what? See, good fruit's going to stand. It's going to last. But what I'm saying is he had to learn to walk in the things of God just like everybody else. He didn't get no special privilege because of who he was in the company that he was with. But he had to come the same way everybody else did. We have to believe God, trust God, submit ourselves to God, let God use us, and let God be part of our lives. Amen. But walk worthy. And his goal is that he might present him to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle, that she should be holy and without blemish. Talking about the church, the believers in the Lord. And so uh, then, then Ephesians five eighteen, uh, when we're walking with the Lord, he said, and he. Do not be drunk with wine where it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's part of walking with God also. Get filled with the Holy Ghost. And uh, be conformed to the image of the Lord. Now there's a sevenfold walk of the believer, and I'm just going to go through these quickly here. But number one, you've got to walk in unity. You've got to walk in unity. How many knows if your body was walking down the road and one leg wanted to go the other way and one leg go the other way, you're going to straddle and you're just going to fall flat on the floor. <laughs> we we got to get in unity. We walk in unity. Number one, we got to get in unity with the Lord. Amen. I'm not talking about being dictated to by man. I'm talking about walking in unity with the Lord and being filled with the Spirit, being filled with the Holy Ghost. And uh, uh, but but it's a walk in unity. And, and, and it, it it's, it would be the first essential of the believer's walk with holiness, in holiness, because holiness is going to put you in unity with the Lord. You're going to be in unity with God, and then you're going to be in unity with each other. And the divine order in Ephesians, uh, is, is otherwise, and God's order can never be reversed. Amen. God has an order to things. God has an order to our life. God has an order to our spiritual walk with Him. There's an order that God wants us to get in. And uh, that first walk is unity. And, uh, you you know, it's... This unity is a slap in God's face. (laughs) We have to walk in unity. Husband and wives have to walk in unity together. Uh, Families have to walk in unity together. They have to walk together. They have to... They have to flow together. They have to let you know let let God be God in their life, and just just let the uh, the Spirit of the Lord direct our steps and everything that we do. But a di- a body that's misaligned. How many's ever had something misaligned in a leg or something? You know, a misalignment. And how many knows it hurts? I mean, have you ever pulled a muscle? <laughs> have you ever? Uh, Strain to muscle, or, uh, uh, but, but, you know, but when your body's out of order, there's disorder. A pain in your leg can cause you to feel bad all over. A church that's not walking in unity, it's going to be bad all over. Because unity is part of it. We've got to walk together. With the Lord, and uh, it's, it's amazing how there. Was, I, I read this story one time of this Chinese missionary in China. She began to have convulsions, or he, and uh, she had the test, the best of medical attention. She was told that she had an incurable disease and advised to go home. When she got home, she cons, uh, consulted an osteopath or whatever that is. And two little bones were found to be out of adjustment. Two little bones were found out of adjustment that was causing her to have this uh, um, convulsions. Isn't that amazing? Two bones were out of order and caused pressure on the nerves. And quickly they were brought into unity through an adjustment that they did. (laughs) How many knows that God does Holy Ghost adjustment in the church? He'll do Holy Ghost adjustment. He'll do Holy Ghost adjustment in our lives individually, in our families. There's a Holy Ghost adjustment that God does, and as He does these things, we're going to see that uh uh you know the Lord's gonna uh He's gonna get glory out of it all when it's all said and done. Amen. So if the church, we just need some adjustments done. We just need some adjustments done. We've got to find that place where God can use us for the glory of god we We've got to find that specific assignment that God has for us I mean you'd be surprised at what God may tell you to do or what God has for you to do i mean it' would be my my little my little daughter she'll be forty eight my little daughter. She'll be 48 in August. She's still my little girl. And I still treat her like one, too. But she she was always serving God. But when she got up to a point in high school, she got, I don't know what happened, you know. But she uh, decided to, for a year or two, she kind of went. Now, she didn't get bad, you know what I mean? But it was she just wasn't really... Anxious about serving God, you know. And I was sitting across the table from, we had several preachers out for lunch. was we sitting across the table. And uh, Dr. Ron Smith, he was one of my mentors. And he looked at me and he, he called me C. He said, C? He said, Stacy ever talked about being a missionary? I said, no, sir. Her thoughts are far from that right now. <laughs> He didn't he didn't say nothing. He just looked over at me and he said, Well see, God's going to use her and her husband to be in missions because God has his hand on her. Well, I didn't see it at that point, but I want to tell you something. When she got to the college, she ended up at Oral Roberts University and uh we we told her we would not going to send her to these secular schools, you know, and we weren't going to help her if she decided to go to a secular college, and she's going to have to choose. We gave her several choices, Jimmy Swaggart's College and Christ for the Nations and, and Oral Roberts University. And, and what did she pick? The most expensive one, of course, Oral Roberts University. But you know what God did? He took care of the whole thing. Praise God. But in that first year she went on mission missions trip, and she went every year, sometimes twice a year. And I mean the change and the transforming power of God. And her husband, he's, uh, Gordon and Frida Lindsay was his great aunt and uncle. And uh, that they, they, of course, they're missionary minded, you know. They were missionary minded. And so Vance is a great mission minded person also. And they have traveled, uh, traveled the world and helped, helped missionaries and help people all over the world as they, as they minister to them. And that's their goal. Now my granddaughters have missions in their blood. And they've already went on mission trips. And little Addie, she's not quite old enough yet, but she's talking about it too. She can't wait to go back to Ethiopia and evangelize her country. Hallelujah. Well, listen, God can do it. But we've got to just let God adjust everything. Can you say amen? So, and he says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Hmm. Endeavoring to keep the bond, uh, uh, the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. How, how many know there's something we have to do to stay in unity? You got to have something to do if you stay in unity with your spouse, with your family. You, you, there's some things that has to be done, and there's things that we have to do as believers in the body of Christ in order to have unity within the body. And Paul, he just said endeavoring. God's not asking us to make unity, but to keep the unity that already exists. There's unity in the Lord. And so, let's get into the unity of the Spirit. And uh, there's one body. In Ephesians 4, verses 4 through 6. He said, there's one body, one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is above all and through all and all. There's only one body. Can you say amen? Only one, only one Spirit. Only one hope, only one Lord, only one faith, only one baptism, one God and Father, and so we, you know, the bond the bond of unity is love. God's wanting us to walk as believers tonight, walk in His power, and uh, and then there's special endowment of some members in in the body of Christ. Over in Ephesians 4 and verses 11 to 16, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers for the equipment of the saints. See, none of them is elevated higher above the other because all gifts and all gift ministries are equal in the eyes of God. They're there for the purpose of ministering and edifying the body of Christ and bringing glory to the Lord. Amen? Letting the world see that Jesus is Lord. So... You know, we've got all of these different ministries, and we'll get into that next week, but but there's different ministries that God has. But we've got to walk in unity. Listen, there's evangelists. Some evangelists can't be pastors. There's apostles. An apostle is one that can probably fit in every category. An apostolic ministry can, can fit in all of the categories. He, usually an apostle one that is in that position as an apostolic authority in the body of Christ that they have usually went through all the sages teacher you know uh, evangelist uh all of these other other giftings and and they've they've worked in those giftings and and now they're in a position Paul w- was all of those things and he was an apostle Paul the apostle Peter was an apostle and so we we've got to recognize that God has his body, God has the people in place. And God puts people where he wants them. Hallelujah. And God will put people where we need them. And we're going to see the body of Christ show forth the love of God and show forth the power of God and and, and people will see Jesus is Lord and his his power is real. So in you know, in conclusion tonight, we just need to learn how to walk as God wants us to walk. Walk. Walk in love. Walk in faith. Walk in power. Walk in unity. Hallelujah. Walk in forgiveness. We've got to learn to walk in all of these areas of our life because, and it's a purpose behind it, because we want Jesus to be glorified. Amen? Thank God for it. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word is truth. And as we hear it and we put it to practice in our hearts and our lives, God, that people will see Jesus magnified. And they'll see the personality of Jesus Christ in all of our hearts and lives. And when they walk through the doors of the church, they'll sense the presence of God. Because we're in unity and we're going to walk in the unity that you placed us in. And Father, we just thank you for it. We just praise you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth tonight. Amen. And amen. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet tonight and and let's just praise the Lord for a minute. Thanking God that we're part of the body. Aren't you glad you're part of a body? Amen. My wife and I are so excited to be part of this body. We're excited to be part of this body. And we, we feel God placed us in this body. And he placed us with you in this body. He put you in this body. And we're here for a purpose. And thank God we can fulfill the purpose of God. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you tonight because your word's truth. And Lord we thank you that it operates in every heart and believer here tonight. And Father, that we can leave this place knowing that we're we've been with you and we're we're walking in your will, walking in your purpose in our life. And, Lord, we're going to fulfill that purpose, whatever the call is, whatever that you put in our heart to do. We're going to do it as unto the Lord. And we're going to see the body of Christ uh, uh, lifted up and and ministered to and edified as we walk together in the unity of the Lord. And we just give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Amen.